This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking about philanthropy. More specifically, we're talking about ways to maximize the impact of your gifts to charity each year. Back in season one, we did an episode all about donor advised funds and the ways in which they help to improve the tax favorability of giving to charity. If you haven't already, I'd recommend giving that episode a listen after this. I also wrote a post for the Tech Money blog titled, Ways to Make Your Charitable Giving Count Come Tax Time. Again, if you haven't read it already, I'd recommend checking that out as well. But as a quick refresher, a donor advised fund is simply a type of brokerage account where contributions to it are specifically earmarked for charitable giving. And in exchange, the IRS allows you to realize the entirety of the donation in the year it's made, regardless of how long it takes you to actually distribute those dollars to the various charitable causes you support. And while one of the major positive effects of supporting charitable causes is simply to feel good about giving, What and how you give can be just as important as how much you give and to whom. Deciding which assets to donate and how to best structure giving is where the real tax strategies of charitable giving come into play. And since you're going to be giving one way or another, either to the IRS or to a cause that you actually care about, you might as well be the one to make that decision. So on this episode, that's exactly what we'll be discussing. My guest, Adam Nash, is the CEO and co-founder of Daffy a not-for-profit organization built around the simple idea that everyone should put something aside for those less fortunate than themselves. In addition to his work at Daffy, Adam is an active angel investor investing in over 100 companies and serves on the boards of Shift and Acorns. Prior to Daffy, Adam has held leadership roles at Dropbox, Wealthfront, LinkedIn, and eBay, to name a few. Adam also holds an MBA from Harvard Business School, as well as a BS and MS degrees in computer science with a focus on human-computer interaction from Stanford University. Needless to say, the guy is pretty smart. So with that brief introduction, welcome Adam Nash to the Tech Money Podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thanks. Uh, Glad to be here. Yeah, man. I appreciate you uh, agreeing to do this. And I, I breezed through your resume pretty quickly in my intro. What else should I have included? Oh, I think you got the, uh, 
the highlights there. Being the the product guy at LinkedIn in the early days, I think my profile is a little overdeveloped. I had to test all those features. One thing I am proud of though, is I do teach a class on personal finance at Stanford every fall. I really am a very passionate about personal finance education. I don't think there's enough of it in this country or elsewhere. And so for the last five years, they've let me put on a class for the engineering school um, mm-hmm. and I love doing it. So what's interesting about that is the engineering school is probably one. Well, I guess it, it, it doesn't necessarily ring as true about a place like Stanford, but uh, I was going to say the engineering school is one of the places that needs that education the most because it's what's in, in, in vogue and what's likely to be where a lot of the dollars are made. The students who focus so much on their technical skills don't necessarily get a ton of education on their financial skills. And so once they do come into those dollars, it becomes sort of like a mad scramble to figure out what to do. And so I think it it definitely is important that people like you are doing that work to at least give them a, a decent foundation before they ever even come into the money. And, you know, all of a sudden it's a, a real problem to try and solve a high class problem, but a problem not, no, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I always tell my students, I mean, the class is open to everyone. It's just the engineering school has more of the finances these days to fund new classes, but I always tell them, you know, it, it, it's not about IQ, it's not about their capability, and it's not even about earning power. Th- this material just isn't taught at most schools, mm-hmm. right? Like the truth is, I think it should be happening at the junior high level, high school level, before people go out to the world and have to work and borrow money and and deal with bills, etc. There's a lot that people need to learn, and so I, I really appreciate that Stanford's let me do it, and I, I make all the course materials available publicly so that hopefully other schools can pick up on the concept and roll out their own classes as well. Hmm. Interesting. I I mean, it's also interesting that you're saying this, you know, it's coming from the place of a person who has lived their entire life in Silicon Valley, right? You've been a lot of places in Silicon Valley. You've worked for a number of companies I just laid out in my intro. So it seems like, you know, you could have done a number of interesting things, probably some that make even more money than focusing on financial literacy or maybe charitable giving. What is it about charitable giving that made you decide like this was the problem you needed to go and solve at this moment? Well, you know, I've made most of my career about bringing technology to new areas and new markets. I'm one of these technology optimists. I believe that as computers and software get better and better, we should be able to help more and more people with more and more problems. Um, As you mentioned before, that's why I ended up studying human-computer interaction. I'm just fascinated with the way that humans love to interact with technology and and sometimes not so much. But, you know, the story behind Daffy and charitable giving is is pretty simple. Um, It was 2020. I had actually taken some time off, was with my family, and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And the truth is there were a lot of people struggling through the pandemic, millions of people. Um, But I also saw a lot of people who were looking to help but Mm -hmm. didn't know how. And so I started... I've worked with a number of nonprofits before, but I became really fascinated by you know this last decade of fintech. We've seen all these amazing applications and services that make it easier for people to shop, to invest, to save, but really nothing that applied those same features and capabilities to helping people give, right? And, and I'm a parent. I have four children. We teach our children to give. Almost every piggy bank has a slot for you know, this is the money that you can spend. This is the money that you save for a rainy day. And, and this is the money that you, you give to people who are less fortunate than yourself. And yeah. so I, I happen to believe that most people want to be charitable, but the world is busy. They, they have, you have work, you have personal life. I mean, we had a pandemic. 
And so this idea of like applying those lessons from companies like Acorns or Wealthfront and saying, can we help people make giving a habit? Can we help them set a financial goal for what their giving should be? And then automate, making sure that they support the organizations that they care about. Can we make it easier to be inspired by others around you? Right. You know, most Americans don't talk enough about money with each other. Hmm. And so can we make it easier for you to share what organizations and causes you support and hopefully inspire more giving? And, and so that's really where Daffy came from. Do you find that the tech community is particularly generous when it comes to giving to charity? In general, yes. My experience in the tech community has been a lot of very earnest people who, frankly, have been a part of a huge boom in both capability and work. So the number of times I hear from people just unsolicited that they feel very fortunate to have ended up in technology, ended up in software and design, ended up at the companies they're at is large. Um, but the problem with people in tech is that they're busy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, work is busy. Tech is famously a 24 seven kind of activity. And so, I mean, this is a little bit of how we design the Daffy product. I call it the generosity gap. Yeah. Right. This difference between what people say they want to give to charity and what they actually get done by the end of the year. I mean, I know it's amazing. I mean, the United States, a very generous country. I think in 2020, we gave over $470 billion in the aggregate wow. to charity and 300 billion or more came from individuals. And I know that sounds big, but when you look at the data, the basic behavioral finance says that we want to be giving more. Right. The, um, the research says that just like, you know, saving for retirement or saving for college or for a house, if you set a goal for giving, it turns out people give 32% more. Hmm. And so I look at that problem. I say like, wow, 300 billion is a big number every year. 32% more would be another 100 billion. Can you imagine like more than a trillion dollars opened up for charities and, and good causes? And so that's a lot of the a lot of the focus that we put into the product, um, but it was very much designed around these insights that people in tech have um, about where software can help. Automation just happens to be one of those areas that computers are great for, right? Computers I, don't get bored. <laughs> I, I mean, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about myself, right? Like the fact that I see from my seat in my day job as a, a financial planner, I see December where every single year clients are saying, I got to write a check because I need to get some charitable deduction done that I need to, to, to get the dollars. We, we establish donor advised funds for clients on a regular basis. And so they're reaching out and saying, Hey, I need to send $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 to this place before the year is over. Cause I just, I just thought about it. I forgot all about it. And to your point, if we were doing that in January, February, March, right? the organizations would actually have that cash in their hand to do more with throughout the course of the year, rather than having to wait until they know November, December is going to be the time because everybody's scrambling to get that done. And so just from that perspective alone, like the organization itself, having a little bit more consistency to its budget to do the work that it does would probably go a long way too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no question that when it comes to the charitable organizations, the amount of work and expense and time they have to put into chasing down donations from people, people who already want to give to the organization, already made the commitment. But the big insight when I first was doing the user research for the product that became Daffy that really surprised me was how much this bothered people, the donors themselves, 
Hmm. right? You know, people really care whether you support a school, a church, or a synagogue, a community center, a zoo, uh, no matter what your, your philanthropic passion is, people like the idea that they support these organizations. They believe in them. They just get busy. And you're right, you know, by the end of the year, tax time on the contribution side, people realize, no, if I'm going to make a contribution, I need to do it now. Mm-hmm. But the truth is be much better for all, everyone involved. If you could just say how much you wanted to give to charity every year, break it down by the different organizations and just have it automatically happen. And then, you know, if you have a good year, right, you know, income's a little higher, gains are a little higher and you can afford to give more to charity. And of course, there's a tax benefit of doing so. Having a fund where that money can be invested tax-free um, mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. I think the Donor Advice Fund is a fantastic product. It's just, it's just been isolated with the wealthy due to the business model of the existing industry. It's also very clunky. Like I described the Donor Advice Fund and how it works in my intro, and I also like intentionally oversimplified. Any, well, before I go there, anything else you want to throw in there in that that definition I gave? Did I miss anything from from your ears? You do this every day, so. Oh no, I think it's. I think you did a great job. You know, when I explain the donor advice fund to most people, I try to keep it simple. Most people are familiar with the idea of a four hundred one k or an IRA for retirement, or mm-hmm. or even a five twenty nine plan for college. I just tell people there's another type of account that you haven't heard of, and it's for charity, and it's called the donor advice fund, and it's been around for over fifty years. Yeah, and again, not a lot of. Uh, intervention or disruption has happened in the space. And so it's it's very clunky in the way that it operates and uh, requires a lot of staff time, I'll say internally, not necessarily so much from the, the donor themselves to have to do it, except, you know, direct where the, the do- donation should go. But it should at this point be a much more seamless and, and simplified process than what it actually is. Oh, absolutely. There, there's no technical limitation here. Like I said, I think that the existing industry, because it is mostly catered to very wealthy individuals, has invested heavily um, in service, Mm -hmm. right? And and dealing with a relatively small customer base. And so technology is just not their high priority, right? So, um, I mean, this is true in fintech in general. If you compare, you know, the the typical banks and brokerages with with the new providers, Mm -hmm. you know, there's pros and cons of each. But one thing you can't fault the new providers for is just the quality of the user experience and the technology, right? Like using Acorns is just a very, very different experience than using a typical, you know, checking account or investment account. But the donor advised fund industry is even for finances is is behind. You still see people emailing PDFs around, <laughs> right? Phone calls. I'm not kidding, you know. And oh, it's, I'm laughing because I know. I, yeah, I, and it and it doesn't have to be that way. I think actually, you know, I was shocked when we launched Daffy last year in September. It hasn't even been one year. I was shocked to find out that we were the first fully functional donor advised fund in the app store. Right? You can download an app, open an account fund that account, invest it, and then donate to any legal charity in the US. It sounds so obvious, but there was no other app that did it in the app store before we launched. So Adam, I feel like we danced around it a little bit, but talk to me about the the Daffy platform for a moment a little bit more, right? You mentioned you guys are in the the iOS store, but like what is the app or the platform exactly? Like how does it work? Who is it for? Who's it not for maybe even, right? Like give us that. Yeah, Daffy is is pretty simple. We think of it as a not-for-profit community mm-hmm. built around this new modern platform for giving, this donor advised fund. 
And this donor advised fund is unique in that it's based around the idea of the commitment to give, having a goal, rather than not focusing on any specific dollar amount, right? You know, our business model is specifically membership based, right? So we don't make more money the more assets you have invested in the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, we make more money based on having more people giving and being members of the community. And so, but but at a functional level, we do all the things that you'd expect a modern donor advice fund to do, right? So you can open an account, you can contribute cash through your bank account, you can use credit and debit cards, you can even use Apple Pay, you can donate stock, you can donate crypto. We support over 120 different coins. That money then goes in, it's invested tax-free. You can pick a standard portfolio of Vanguard ETFs. We have an ESG set of portfolios for people who want to push their values into how they invest. And then, of course, we even support crypto portfolios since it's, of course, 2022. No matter how you want to invest, you have the money there. And then anytime you want to donate, you have an app in your pocket where you can select any of the 1.5 million or more legal charities in the US, few taps of the button, a certain amount, their donation recommendation goes off and, and you're done. That's hmm. it. And so you just, um, we think it's exciting because one of the things we discovered when we did research around giving was that giving is actually harder than you think. There's two hard problems to it. There's how much can I afford to give? Yeah. And then the second problem is who do I give it to? And combining those two problems makes it very, very hard for a lot of people to kind of pull the trigger and, and actually give. But when you have an app in your pocket that's already funded, I mean, you know this, right? This is basic behavior around money, right? Like when you have the money already set aside to give, it's so much easier when a friend or a colleague asks you to donate to a worthy organization to just say, oh, pull out the phone, tap, 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 done. Well, that's what I was thinking about as you were describing it. It's the fact that there's a lot of friction involved in in giving in general, right? Like charities will do their best to give you the the online portal where you can punch in your ACH, you know, bank account information, your, your checking account and, and routing number, make the donation that way, or you can punch in your credit card information and make the donation that way. But then you've also got to rely on me sitting still long enough to get to my computer, to click the link, to go to the thing and write like that. What you're describing sounds like you guys have taken quite a bit of the friction out of it. So that as I'm standing there having a conversation with a friend of mine who's invited me to a thing that I'm saying, oh, sorry, I can't come, but I will make a donation. They can say, oh, we'll just make it now. Right. (laughs) Like, don't don't tell me you're going to do it when you get home because you have to get to your computer. I know you have the app that allows you to do this in the moment. Like and you can make it now. And not only can you do it now, you can actually do it with your Ethereum or, or Bitcoin tokens that have appreciated in value because you were so smart that you got invested in this thing in 2010 before the run-up happened, right? Whatever I'm, I'm supposing here. But I, I get your point that it sounds like, if I understand this correctly, one of you guys' main goals is to help take the friction out of giving so that people will give more frequently, which also allows me to set up something like a monthly contribution that goes into this account that also invests so that the dollars will grow so that I can donate more down the road, that kind of thing. Am I getting it right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that charities and organizations do their best, obviously, to make it easy for donors. And Mm -hmm. and some organizations are bigger than others. So you you do find some charities that can accept stock contributions or crypto or take credit cards or even set up a recurring donation. 
but every site is different. Every organization is different. They all don't support the same features. Believe it or not, one of the features that people seem to love most about Daffy is just that at the end of the year, instead of searching their inbox or their stack of papers or you know Gmail, yep, um, they have all their donation receipts in one place. Yeah. <laughs> right? like I mean, they- it is simple, right? We're talking about human behavior and making it easy for people. That is a very simple thing to make my decision based on. I don't have to hunt down my receipts or flip through my transaction history and my credit card statement. Sign me up. Like that is enough of a selling feature, even for me to say, okay, so like as a person who does actually go online to the link that somebody has sent to actually make the donation or whatever, like to me, not having to track down where did I write that check or make that transfer definitely does sound enticing. Yeah. So we think of it as a better system for giving. Obviously, the tax benefits are phenomenal, right? Especially when you're donating assets that have appreciated like stock or ETFs or crypto. But I think that in general, um, what's before exciting... To- oh, go ahead. Before yeah. you go away from that point, that was actually a very good point you were setting up and I heard you about to go away from it. So I want to stay there for a second. But one of the things that I don't know that people are as familiar with as far as the donor advised fund is concerned, one of the real valuable things that it allows you to do is avoid capital gains taxes on highly appreciated shares in a company that maybe you you know, you worked for a company that went public or you receive RSUs every year as part of your your total comp. And those shares have appreciated significantly since the company was a hundred employees or a thousand employees to where it is now. And so if you were to ever sell those shares, you've got to pay long-term capital gains tax on whatever the, the difference is between your basis and the market value. The donor advised fund actually allows you to contribute donate those shares or some of those shares to this fund, get a tax credit for the fair market value of those shares today, decide whenever you want to in the future, how much to donate in each year going forward, whether it's this year or the next 10 or whatever, but also not have to pay the capital gains taxes associated with the run-up between your basis and fair market value of those shares. So I want to make sure that I make that point clear because I did promise in the intro one that we were going to talk about the the tax benefit of getting a little bit more sophisticated with your giving. But separately, the value that you just created for yourself is significantly more than if you had just written a check or given with cash, right? So I wanted to make sure we stayed there and gave that little tidbit because anybody who's like, what in the world is this this donor advised fund they keep talking about? And why would I care? Well, because if you're a person who worked for Airbnb, as an example, who's a recent IPO that went well, those shares that you own that have appreciated by 50% that are still sitting in your fidelity account that you keep looking at and saying, I really want to use them to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't want to have to pay those taxes. Each time you log in, this is an idea of a way to kind of alter the way you're giving to charity today. So anyway. oh, you're, you're exactly correct, Malcolm. And I'm glad to, to spend time on this because I think most people don't realize how big a benefit it is. And also it applies to more people than you'd expect. It's not just if you had a high-flying tech stock, right? You know, if, if you bought Vanguard Total Market ETF mm-hmm. 15 years ago, that, that ETF is up 60, 70, 80%. And you have a choice. You could sell that VTI, right? Take the gain, pay the taxes, and then maybe you'd give some of that money to charity. That's great. 
Or if you donate that VTI directly, you never pay the capital gains taxes and you get a deduction for the money off your income taxes, right? Which is, tends to be higher rates. And then as you pointed out, if you don't want to use it all right now, you can invest it tax-free and do it over a number of years. And so it really is a much better system. It actually turns out to be not just more money for you, but more money for the nonprofit, right? And unfortunately, like I said, there's over one and a half million charities in the US, but only a few thousand accept stock contributions and even fewer accept crypto contributions. Yeah. But if you have a donor advised fund like Daffy, it becomes trivial. I can't tell you how many people in December last year, our first few months out, opened up that Daffy app the last week of the year Mm -hmm. and decided to contribute either stock or crypto um, to kind of make sure that they matched up their charitable donations with whatever their income was for the year to make sure that they kept their taxes in line. Well, also, uh, disclaimer, I'm not giving out blanket tax advice to anybody here on this show, and I'm not auditioning to become anybody's tax accountant. But one of the other things that is the difference between the public charity you're talking about that's big enough to accept stock shares like, you know, Boys and Girls Club of America or the United Way or something, right? Uh, One of the key differences is if I give those shares this year, they're gone this year. Like the value that I just donated is gone out of my own portfolio, my own net worth this year. Whereas with a donor advised fund, I can give in whatever year I want to get the tax benefit for that deduction this year, but then take forever to spread that out if I decide to. And the reason that's important for this particular audience, this particular community is because you know, you've been in tech long enough to know some years are extremely better than others, right? So if my company just went public this year or my company is getting taken private this year, as an example, right? If we look at like a Twitter, for example, allegedly, we'll see what happens. But in that instance, I'm probably going to have lumpy income where I have three, four, five times the income I'm going to have in the next three, four, five years happen to me this year. And so I want to figure out how to defer some of that income away from having to pay taxes on it. And this is one of the options that is is available to you, right? So I can take some of those shares that are suddenly going to show up this year, or some of that cash that's suddenly going to show up this year, make a giant donation this year and not any more donations over the next three or four years and just spread out how long it takes me to distribute the money from the donor advised fund into those charitable causes, right? Because the donor advised fund, just to make it clear for folks, is the conduit that you're going to use to distribute your charitable donations. It it's you can take your whole lifetime if you choose to to actually, you know, you put in a hundred thousand dollars this year, you can take 10 years to donate ten thousand dollars a year to whatever charities you decide to. Or you got a giant liquidity event coming, you can donate a million dollars this year and never again and spend the rest of your life donating from that million dollar pot that's also growing in the markets, as Adam mentioned over the same course of time. So you've got more to give. So I I know we spent a ton of time there and I'm getting extremely wonky on this, but I just want to make sure that people really understand the tax benefit that comes to you personally from being generous and supporting these different organizations this way. Well, and I think it's a helpful piece of advice because frankly, more and more people have income that varies significantly year to year, right? right? We have good years and bad years. And for better, for worse, our tax system is annual right? It's January 1st to December 31st every year. Yeah. 
And so you're exactly right. The great thing about the donor advised fund is instead of forcing you to make some sort of one-off decision to donate a lot of money in any given year, you can be more thoughtful about it, right? You know, one of our first donations at Daffy was actually someone who wanted to give a Bitcoin or to give Bitcoin to their synagogue. Hmm. Obviously, the synagogue didn't take Bitcoin and they figured out, oh, if I download this app, I can put the Bitcoin in Daffy and then I can spread out my donations to the synagogue as I see fit, right? And it's great for the synagogue. They get regular donations. It was great for them. But let's be honest. I mean, even at today's prices, a Bitcoin is about $23,000. I haven't looked today. Not everyone's prepared to make that size a gift to a single organization at one time, mm-hmm. right? But if you put that in a donor advised fund and you want to give $1,000 to an organization every year for the next 20 years, that's fantastic. And who knows if you invest the money properly, um, you may be able to give years 21, 22, and 23, you know, based on the gains you make on that money in the fund. Hmm. So we find that the the investment piece of the donor advised fund and that ability to kind of decouple your contributions when you want that tax deduction from the giving is one of the most useful features that people really enjoy about having the product. So let's talk about something else you mentioned a little bit ago, which was the fact that I can sort through your portfolio of available funds and find things like ESG investments inside of the donor advised fund, which to my knowledge, I'm saying to my knowledge in in highlighting it and emboldening it so I don't get any angry comments in the email inbox. But to my knowledge, at a place like a a traditional uh, place like a Charles Schwab or Fidelity or, or Morgan Stanley or whatever, I don't have the option to invest in very much inside of that donor advised fund. It's usually like you get the S&P 500, you get the Russell, you get a couple of other similar index funds. And that's about what your options are as far as uh, what you can invest in inside of the, the donor advised fund. But you mentioned that you guys have ESG portfolios that I can choose to invest in while waiting to don that money. Anything else that's sort of unique like that as far as investment models and that sort of thing that that I'm not going to see inside of a traditional donor advised fund? No, I mean, I think that, you know, the truth is there's there's a large number of donor advised funds out there and, and some of them have very sophisticated investment options. Some don't. We've tried to keep things simple with Daffy. And so we offer four different categories of portfolios. Um, we have conservative portfolios that are invested largely in cash and inflation-protected bonds. We have mm-hmm. standard diversified portfolios of low-cost index funds from Vanguard. Um, the ESG portfolios have been popular, right? There's a lot of people imagine. who want to align their charitable giving with investments that they feel good about in terms of their governance or their environmental impact. And then actually, um, we also have been very popular. We have a set of crypto portfolios, um, mm-hmm. either diversified ones that blend stocks, bonds, and crypto indices, or pure crypto portfolios for those who are really aggressive who want to see the money invested in Bitcoin or Bitcoin and Ethereum, et cetera. I should disclose Coinbase uh, Ventures is one of our investors, and they've been very helpful in us being able to offer a modern service that supports all these types of investments. You know, From our point of view, um, the investment portfolio choice is an important one, but it's not as important as getting people comfortable contributing money and giving more. So yeah. the reason we provide a broad range of portfolios is we want to make sure that whatever your investment choice is or whatever whatever is ideal for you, that you can find it on Daffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, becomes, it doesn't become a reason for you 
to make an excuse not to give. I see. I see. Well, it sounds like too, as we're discussing this, this is a tool or a platform or a product, however you describe it, that is maybe not necessarily geared toward, but great for your millennial, your Gen Z or skews, I would imagine to a younger audience. Do you have any visibility into like the average age of your user base? Yeah. You know, we thought the same thing when we launched it, but we've been quite surprised at the breadth of, of ages, right? We, we certainly have a number of members who are young in their 20s just getting started. Um, we also have members in their 70s and beyond who are, are retired and like the idea of having a fund uh, mm-hmm. to give out of and everything in between. I will say the sweet spot has actually been a little bit older right now. We're seeing a lot of people, a lot of households, new couples, maybe with young children who are thinking about their giving, thinking about the example they're setting mm-hmm. for their family. And like the idea of something like Daffy and and making giving a part of their life actively. But like, I mean, I think that it is a pretty broad base because the truth is our business model is so different than the existing industry. Mm -hmm. You know, for people just starting out, the idea of using an app, I mean, we're free if you have less than $100 in the fund and otherwise it's only $3 a month. Hmm. But at the high end, you know, we have members who have millions of dollars in their funds and you know our higher tier is just $20 a month. You know even Vanguard charges 0.6% for their fund. So mm-hmm. you know a $100,000 account at Vanguard is $600 a year. You know at, at Daffy it could be as low as $36. And so we're we're seeing demand really across the board. The the one aligning piece of it is really people reaching out and looking for some better system for them to give. Right? Mm-hmm. Just feeling that they're tired of the paperwork, they're tired of the one-off emails, they're tired of digging around for receipts, et cetera. They just want an app that takes care of it. And so we're trying to provide it for them because we think it helps people give more. Funny enough, you're describing me. Like as as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm I'm, like you guys, I know this, this word gets thrown around a ton in Silicon Valley, but this sounds to me like the epitome of disruption. Like you guys are legitimately disrupting a very sleepy, small, fragment of the financial services world where not a lot of interest has been paid to this point, but I'm glad that you are because it really is a pain to give. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. And so I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that this is the problem that you guys decided to take on. My last question for you, Adam, actually has absolutely nothing to do with charitable giving, I would imagine. You might tell me I'm wrong once you hear it, but you can kind of sit back and relax your shoulders and and take your daffy hat off for a second. But if you never found your your passion for this, right? So you had to find a different way to occupy your days, but money wasn't a factor in your decision-making at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now? Well, it's this is a little bit of a cheat because I've been somewhat public about this, but there's no question that if I wasn't building software and new companies, I, I just be teaching. Hmm, okay. I love teaching. I teach a class part-time right now. I've made no secret about the fact that I think that whenever I hang up the hat and uh, stop building a new tech, um, teaching is really a passion for me. I, I think that there's a phenomenal opportunity to help people at, at many different stages in their life. And I, I really just love the entire process of thinking about different ways to explain different concepts to people. So teaching would be my answer. I dig it. It was not lost on me. The fact that you use the phrase 
I'm thankful that Stanford allows me to teach this class. Like it wasn't a thing where you said, you know, I, I got to go in and teach this class once a week or whatever. It was like, I'm very thankful that they let me beat them over the head, begging to get this into the curriculum because I thought the students needed at least that was the way it came off to me initially so I, I definitely am not surprised that that's ultimately where you you decided to land but so before we wrap Adam this has actually been great man I, I really appreciate you being so generous with your time where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and or Daffy after this goes live well, great question. Finding Daffy is easy. If you go to the app store and search for Daffy, or if you just want to go on the web to daffy.org, you can get started right away and sign up. There's no minimum requirement, et cetera. Finding me is also fairly easy. I'm just Adam Nash on, on Twitter. And of course, you can find more information about me on the Daffy website. I will say on that, uh, on that positive note, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close this out, sir? I would be thrilled to. Adam, thank you so much. It's interesting. You and Malcolm are very similar. One of his answers to that same question was that he wants to teach, and he does every time he fires up the microphone for the podcast, that's for sure. Thank you so much for being on the show, Adam. And of course, Malcolm, thank you so much for facilitating this and getting great guests for the show. And our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast and leave a review as this does actually help others find the show. You can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on Money. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have, and you can do so by emailing them to podcast at tech-money.com. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge, with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on 
every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.